You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to our pod. I'm really excited. You know how I am. I get excited about everyone that we have on the podcast, but this episode is quite the departure. The subject of this show is just terrific, and I want to get into telling you why he's on the podcast and telling you about his book that you should go buy if you've ever been an outsider or if you're someone who really, really, really likes hockey. How about that for a tease, right? I'm going to get into that. I would like to tell you about who sponsors our podcast, and it's the fine folks over at Mazda of Orland Park. ZoomZoomNation.com. So glad that they have been on the team. If you are in the market to buy a car, please go at least give them an opportunity to sell you a car. You don't have to buy one, but at least give them an opportunity to sell you one. And then be like, hey, I heard about you guys on Lawrence's podcast. Like, Tell Eric that for sure when you go over there. The other thing that I would like for you to know, and this is super important, we are brought to you by Homeside Financial, David Hochberg. David needs the phones to ring. So if you are in the market to buy a home or refinance, it's actually a really good time to refinance right now. Go through him. Use him. I did. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. He's the guy that helped me refinance the condo in Kenwood. He's the guy who helped me get funding for the house in Hyde Park. This guy, David Hochberg. So call him at 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. I'm not playing. He is signed up to be with us because he knows that the House of L audience is a loyal audience. So please don't make a liar out of me. Call that man and get yourself some money to get yourself a house or refinance. Hannah Ryan Singh, let me tell you how I got to even know that he existed. I'm working at 120 Sports. This is back in 2016. And Michael Kim and I start working together. And he said, have you ever, have you ever seen Hockey Night Punjabi? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, well, in Canada, there's this show called Hockey Night Punjabi. You need to check it out. I said, okay, why? He's like, just watch it. Just watch it and let me know what you think. And I said, okay. So I checked it out. I started following it. It is the most, if you think that the TNT basketball show is the most fun show, Going in sports, 
you need to watch clips of Hockey Night Punjabi. It's so fun. These guys do an incredible job. And they've been doing it for a while. And so Rondeep Janda and I have kind of become friends. Probably need to get deep on the show. And we started having them on our show over at 120 Sports, which then became Stadium, which now is a part of Marquee. It's a lot, I know. And the reason that we had them on is that there was a historic call that was done by our guest, Hunter Ryan Singh, where the winning goal by Benino back in the 2016 Stanley Cup final that he has a legendary call. In fact, I'm gonna let you just hear it right here. So that call became a thing. And he and Hockey Night Punjabi got a lot of love in Pittsburgh, which you're going to hear us talk about. And those guys, like they, Hunter Ryan went to Pittsburgh and did the Benino, Benino, Benino thing in Pittsburgh, and the crowd went crazy, and we're going to talk about that. We love the whole vibe of their show. It's, it is everything that you want with your sports. These guys are serious hockey fans. Like, first of all, like they've got all the bona fides. Then you add in the cultural aspect of what it is that they're doing. I believe Punjabi is the third most spoken language in Canada behind English and French. And they are just having a blast. Like, it's one of those things where you don't need to speak the language to understand how much fun they're having. And they're having it in, in a place where there's not always a lot of fun in hockey. Hunter Ryan is just an interesting cat, too, man. He's, he's a Sikh, and we talk a lot about his faith inside this, this episode. He's got a book. And the name of the book is called One Game at a Time, My Journey from Small Town, Alberta, to Hockey's Biggest Stage. I read it. It's phenomenal. If you like hockey, you should be in on this anyway, okay? But even if you don't like hockey, like I was saying earlier, if you understand what it means to be different or to be a bit of the outsider I think that you will enjoy the way that the Hunter Ryan puts this whole thing together. I was, I'm honored to consider him a colleague and a friend and I loved talking to him and I hope that you love listening to us talk. This was my conversation with Hockey Night Punjabi's own Hunter Ryan Singh. Man, it is a a real treat to to get you on my podcast, man. I'm so happy that you wrote this book, this incredible book. There's so much stuff that I want to talk to you about from inside the book, but I want to start with this because it was, I know that it was it was a big part of the book. And again, I thank you for your time today because I know that you got a lot of stuff that you got going on. What do you think is the biggest misconception about Sikhs? I would say, and I've, you know, I want to make sure that I come across as respectful um, to other faiths as possible here. But, you know, uh, the images of Osama bin Laden and uh, September 11, 2001, uh, that that contributed to a really big misconception because of the fact that he was wearing, you know, some sort of a form of headgear. And, you know, there is this those images were flashed across the screen and, you know, throughout the world, especially in the United States and Canada as well. And 
I myself experienced, and I talk about that in uh, in the book, uh, you know, me growing up in small town, Southern Alberta, a town of just 10,000 people on that very day, uh, an individual who I was classmates with since kindergarten, and here I am in high school now. So over a decade of knowing this person, but seeing that image of Osama bin Laden on TV, and then seeing me with a flip of a switch, you know, I was attacked and here I am thousands of miles away from New York City, uh, you know, in a province of Canada above Montana and a small town and look at the impact. I was, you know, I was being choked. I was uh, put up against, uh, held up against the cement wall forcibly and, and um, words, uh, such words full of hate about, you know, being sworn at and saying, go back to where you came from and I can't believe you people did this to us and right away this us versus them mentality um, there's a misconception that because you know we look different because we have uh, Sikh men have long beards and we wear turbans that all you know we could be part of some sort of uh, organization that does you know horrible ridiculous things in the world um, that's that's something we've had to battle. Uh, if you look at the hate crimes after 9-11 in the United States, such huge misconceptions, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, you look at just a couple of years ago, what happened in Wisconsin, where a shooter went into a Sikh temple, a, a Gurdwara place of worship and and shot at people. And, and always the misconception is, is that because of how we look, we're involved in some sort of terrorist activity. That's That's a really front and center misconception that we have um, to face. But, you know, at the at the heart of it, we're a very peaceful community, very um, open, you know, we're, we're within our faith, we we preach uh, equality for all faiths and for men and women and um, respect and, and anyone's welcome into our place of worship and a free meals offered. So there's, there, there's so much love that, you know, we're trying to spread in the world, but because of because of that misconception with our image, we have to undergo a lot as well. I was going to ask you about that because it, it seems like such a it seems like such a distortion of your faith that I wonder was that part of it offensive to you? Like beyond it being dangerous, like it's dangerous. Like you're putting yourself in danger because people are ignorant to it. But was it at, at, at some level just offensive because of what your faith stands for? Yeah, I, I can tell you I've been in um, hockey arenas in the United States. And when, when I'm walking from my hotel to a hockey arena, I've been called. Sometimes you could say it might be well-intentioned, but there's a misconception that I'm from a different faith or there's a, you know, there's a, there's a curiosity, but sometimes it's it's a negative curiosity. I'm and I'm trying to be careful with my words here because I don't want to offend anybody, and I'm not putting any one particular person at fault. But it's just the way of the world right now because we're in a divisive society, and because if you're different, um, you're looked upon um, negatively. And 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 I think you know I've experienced that so many times, and and it can be offensive. You have to really look at it on a case by case scenario. I'll give you one example of a well-intentioned person um, who came to my door. I talk about this in my book and as, as a story too, where in my small town of Brooks, Alberta, a salesman comes by, does his spiel. I'm, I'm at the door and he says to me, you know, well, uh, that's all right. Welcome to Canada. I just wanted to say, you know, great. Uh, welcome to Canada. And he does his whole thing and he walks away and, you know, um, even though that was well-intentioned and he was trying to be positive, it offended me because it, it hurt because it was like, you know, I'm, I'm a patriotic Canadian. I, I love this country. I'm proud to be from here, but you know, just because of how I look and I didn't even have an accent or anything that painted a picture that I was new here. Uh, all it was, was how I looked. And he just assumed that, Oh, okay. Because of the turban and the beard, you must be new here. And, you know, it hurt because my parents came here in the sixties. My great grandfather came here over a hundred years ago. And it's like, you're always continuously having to justify your, 
yourself uh, in North America, whether you're Canadian or American. And if you're different, you always have to just you have to justify how American or how Canadian you are as a person of color. And so, yeah, it, there are situations where it's offensive, um, and there are situations where you have to understand where the person was coming from. I still wrote a letter to the editor and, and, and I, you know, the headline was, I am Canadian too. And, and, and I think a lot of people of color have to go through that in North America. That particular story in reading it, it, it seems like that was a flashpoint for you because you found power in the pen. So, yeah. so, so do you agree that, that that's, that's a moment where you were like, Oh, I, I can speak for myself and I can speak for my community and, and, and try to educate people on who we are and, and why we're here and why we're a part of this bigger a Canadian family too. Yeah, it, it definitely showed me the power of media. I mean, I was always interested in media since I was a kid and in the broadcast side of things. And um, yeah, I enjoyed writing and I think that's why I also decided, okay, a letter to the editor in our newspaper, which small town, everybody reads the paper, listens to the radio station. You In small towns, you have usually just one newspaper and one radio station. Um, so writing the letter to the editor and then seeing the impact right away, I, I remember being at the at a grocery store with my dad a, a week or two later and uh, a woman who we didn't know came up to me. She didn't need to ask if it was me who wrote the letter or if it was our family, it was just, she knew we were the only people of our faith in the in this, in the small town. And so she just came up and I remember exactly where we were in the grocery store, we're in the cereal aisle, we're standing there and this lady comes up and it's like, you don't know what she's going to say. Cause it's like stranger danger. You're, I was, you know, a young, a younger guy. And she comes up and she's like, Oh, uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And you know, that's so terrible. And I, 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 I read your letter to the editor and, you know, and she, she kind of had a heartfelt conversation about that. And it, that right away showed me that, okay, this has an impact. And then the fact that the company uh, who rep the salesman, the company that he represented, they also called my house and uh, they were kind of in damage control thinking that I might, uh, you know, be wanting, I didn't name the company and I didn't, yeah, I wasn't wanting to cause trouble, but my mom, be, uh, you know, coming to Canada in the 60s was she was also concerned that we don't want this man to lose his job because of your letter so you got to make sure you convince the company that they don't do that and so there so that also just showed me that the impact of like as you said the pen the media um and but we're in such a different world now uh Lawrence I think that it's tough to even have a conversation if you're on two sides of one issue because it just becomes like this this verbal fight or you just people become they start attacking one another and we've seen more and more of that happen in the past four years and uh, I, and that's really dangerous and that really is what worries me is that uh, if you have opposing views we you know we should still be united as Americans and Canadians but it doesn't seem like that's that's the case anymore it, it's so weird that you said that because I was just writing down a couple of words after going through the political process last night, uh, we're recording this uh, the day after the election. And the word that I kept coming back to the two words were destructive and reform. And, and I feel like our, our political discourse has become extremely destructive because there, there doesn't seem to be any value in finding middle ground that, that if you win, it's not enough to win it's, you must now win and destroy everything on your path to winning. And I'm not sure how we get out of it. And it, it's, it's honestly like I'd be lying to you if I told you that I hadn't been thinking about maybe my life isn't in America anymore. Maybe yeah. I need to explore um, immigrating to Canada or Costa Rica or Guyana or wherever it is that was on my, my list of fantasy countries that would offer – me asylum I don't it's bizarre because as a person of color I that otherness that you describe in your hometown I live in a big city that is big and diverse I've, I've yeah. spent my whole life in the city of Chicago but when I go outside of Chicago even to the suburbs of Chicago there is a sense of other and it's been growing 
in me. And I didn't think when I was a child that we would be in this place when I was an adult, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's very concerning uh, to me because I thought that we had made a lot of progress as society. And then uh, I think things have taken a turn uh, for the worst in terms of the lack of respect for one another, um, the lack of compassion for one another. If you have opposing views, we used to be able to, you know, have uh, uh, a discussion uh, that was peaceful. And, you know, we didn't used to have all of these forces that are trying to divide us all the time. And and I think it's, I don't know how we go back either. I, I, I really hope that we're able to find a way. The first, the first issue is that, you know, we can't, people as a society, you can't blame them because this is what they're being told, but we can't even agree on what's fact or fiction anymore. And until we as a society, as a humanity can't figure out and can't agree on what's fact, then how are you supposed to even have this conversation about um, respect and compassion? Because it's just your, your button heads right off the bat because you know one person believes one thing to be fact, the other believes it to be fiction. And we don't have any sort of confidence in the media anymore that's really concerning for me as a person of media uh, as a person who's participated in the media process for so long now that you have reputable news sources that have to have various sources credible sources before you publish something whereas you have this whole other world now in social media where anyone can just put anything out there and you don't have to verify anything at all and we've put them at equal levels and mm-hmm. in, in, in in fact we're whatever the reputable news source is and I've worked at you know different news outlets to know the difference I've worked at places where before I put a story out there I had to prove prove it twice and have those sources and and have that all in place before it was allowed to be put in the public. And I've worked at other places where no one even vetted my script or anything. I could say what I wanted. So there is a difference, but um, I think we need media literacy. I think we need to have this conversation uh, in the public to explain to people that there is a difference in in the media sources out there uh, in terms of credibility and sources and things like that. And, and we've we've come we've gone backwards in that. So and it's it's dangerous that I think it could change the course of humanity for years to come, for decades until we go back to any sense of normalcy on that front. It's so interesting for me to hear you describe. And read you describe Canada post 9-11 the way that you described it because – and I'm sure that this is prob- probably a fallacy that a lot of Americans have about Canada. Canada is the nice place. Canada is the place where everyone's nice to each other. And it's, it's a place that, that people work together and they get along. Was it surprising to you to see Canadian citizens – take on the role of Americans after 9-11 towards fellow Canadians. Yeah, it's, uh, we've always had a, you know, we're the, the, the second cousin that's, you know, um, you know, much smaller scale. And we've always had the trickle down effect from the United States. And it's uh, even not just after 9-11, I've seen it more recently in the past four years where, um, there's so much more hatred, the rhetoric that's being used uh, in terms of not only politicians, but just people in general. And and uh, there's such a, a trickle down effect from the United States into Canada. There's always been positive, of course. I mean, you, we, uh, the United States has been a great f- friend for Canada for so many years, but the negative trickle down effect has been that um, the tolerance and the acceptance that we've always been uh, known to have and and you know you talked about all those characteristics of Canada um, I'm worried about an erosion of those positive characteristics from the trickle-down effect from the United States and um, you know it, it is it is scary to see that we're going down that same uh, rabbit hole to a much lesser extent I mean I'm sitting here in front of you today as a as a turbaned and bearded hockey broadcaster on, you know, what, what is the equivalent of NFL or a major league baseball or NBA broadcasting in the United States on hockey Night in Canada on Sportsnet here in this country. And, and I don't think that 
a person who looks exactly like myself, I'm not sure if this dream would have been able to come to fruition in the United States. So I, I still do think there is a difference. And, you know, everybody talks about, quote unquote, the American dream. I still think the Canadian dream is there for, for people from diverse communities and people of color. Um, but I'm but I'm worried about the rhetoric that's being used. And, and, and I think there is reason to be concerned about that. What's your favorite part about covering hockey? <laughs> I would say uh, there's so many. I, I It's hard to pick one. Um, I love how fast-paced the sport is. I love how it's, how, how it's not an individual sport. You can have a superstar or two, but that doesn't guarantee you a championship. Um, I love how, you know, a, a defenseman and a goaltender are just as important as or if not even more important as the guy who's scoring 50 goals. Um, I love the parody in hockey. I love how unpredictable it is nowadays. Um, it's in, in, you know, also though, other than just the actual sport, it holds such a significant special place in Canada where it really proves the unifying force that sports can be. I mean, this country comes together for hockey like like nowhere else. Um, and we saw that in the Olympics when when you have hockey as a professional players playing in the Olympics and you you have, you know, close to 85 to 90 percent of the country watching the gold medal game. Um, it's, it's really special. And at that time, I love how uh, it doesn't matter what background you're from, how you look, everybody is, you know, participating together uh and you know at that time there's way less ignorance and racism because everybody is you know cheering on that same team and you're doing it together and it, that, that it really shows the beauty that we can have in humanity and society so that those are also reasons why i i love the sport for me it changed my childhood it would have been drastically different in a small town had it not been for hockey it, it helped me create a rapport with my classmates it helped them forget that i was different because they loved that I was a, a hockey nut. And uh, so there's so many reasons why I love the sport of hockey. I know I didn't give you that one favorite, That's but okay. I couldn't. <laughs> That's totally all right. Well, let me take you away from hockey real quick. What was it like in Canada when the Raptors won the NBA championship? It was, it was huge. It was, uh, I think in terms of, uh, Canada as a whole in the big, big picture of North America, it, it, it helped put us on the map in terms of sports, in terms of respectability. Um, you know, the Raptors had always been looked upon as kind of maybe this, for a lack of better term, maybe a lower level team and, you know, maybe free agents wouldn't choose to go there as much. Uh, and, and just, I don't think the Raptors got the attention that, they deserved from American media also. And finally you were, we were at a place. And if you, if you think about the Raptors championship parade, uh, 1 million people and how diverse the Raptors fan base is. And, and yeah, it did convert and it, uh, a lot of hockey uh, uh, people in, into basketball fans, especially of a certain generation. And you also saw that across Canada it wasn't just in Toronto or the greater Toronto area or the province of Ontario, you saw Raptors uh, game viewing parties all across Canada. So it was definitely a special moment for uh, Toronto and, and the entire country. How did you and, and your, your group at, at Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, how did you guys figure out that there was an underserved market that was going to I, I've never seen any show, any sports show in America that has as much fun and is authentically different as what you guys do. I'm amazed by it. So how did you guys know that there was that audience out there for you? You know, that's something I've got to get credit to um, in 2008 when people at the time, CBC Sports, uh, for Hockey Night in Canada, the executives, they some of the producers wanted to do something diverse and multicultural. And so they tried broadcasting hockey in a few different languages. And 
Punjabi was one of them that they eventually tried and it was just the the impact the attention from the community the support was just tremendous and you know we just finished our 13th season there's so much that we learned about our own community that like we didn't even know about uh Punjabi being the third most spoken in language uh, language in Canada the stats uh backed it up as well but uh just the fact that it how much it brought us together how much it grew the sport as a grassroots level how much the community loved the sport already but then loved it even more because of the store uh, the show it it validated us almost as canadians it it gave us a sense of accomplishment with a rich history dating back 100 years that okay we've made it and now um it's also something that people of the majority i think appreciated uh, and to this day they do that we're participating in canadian culture uh through the sport uh it's a nation building process like if you're uh, you're not only ha seeing families who are putting their um kids into the sport because of the show but you're seeing generations of found because most punjabi families are they they're intergenerational you have grandparents living with in the same home as the parents and the grandkids so they're watching it together uh and then also representation wise uh, Lawrence I wouldn't be here sitting in front of you as a broadcaster in the hockey world had it not been for that show that's where that's where I got my foot in the door that's where my colleagues and I have been able to get more mainstream work within the hockey broadcast family in Canada too so there's there's so many different ways to talk about the impact of the show and then you talk about the fun we have well that's just uh that's the personality of the community coming out into the show we love our food we love our music we're loud we love to laugh and we've incorporated all of that and it and it's a great entertainment factor uh you know we're we're serious when we need to be when the game is at that point but you know there's also a big entertainment factor as a part of the show too was there ever a point when someone was like ah oh, you guys need to make it less ethnic than it is no i mean we're we've strike a really good balance with that i mean the big major storylines of uh, for the games and the players and the teams we're always talking about i mean our we we started off with humble beginnings now we've got full intermissions full pregame postgame show and so we talk about everything that's being talked about on the english broadcast we we're for sure talking about those same storylines and topics and discussing them in depth but we're also adding in some spice and flavor uh and having fun and a good laugh as well it's not all business all the time um so th that's probably hockey has probably been more of a business like broadcast in terms of uh in its history and nature but we're probably more closer to you know the the NBA broadcast where Shaq's on on the yeah. desk and things like that you know they have a lot of fun and uh, but they also talk about the sport seriously too so it's it's more of a similar dynamic that way I think that's an excellent comp I think that that's without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The show that I think of when I think of you guys' show, the NBA on TNT, it's the same type of thing where you guys are great at breaking the stuff down, but you allow yourselves to have fun with each other. And, and by proxy, the, the viewer is having fun. You know, that they're having fun because you're having fun, and it's great. Is it, for the kid who grew up as an other, the, the kid who grew up talking into their toy microphone, calling hockey games when you were younger, can you believe that this has happened? I can't, you know, I, it's, there's always pinch me moments. Um, you know, I learned... Uh, being another, I had to learn about my family's history. And when I learned my great grandfather came to Canada over a hundred years ago, I finally had something in my pocket. When someone said, go back to where he came from, I was like, wait a minute, my family's history might even be here. We might even have been here before your family came around. Also, the fact that I had so many people telling me that this wouldn't be possible when I would say I want to be a hockey commentator was met with laughter or sarcasm. And then the reason being that I was told that there's not very much diversity on TV. This is, you know, I, I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. 
Um, and I was told no one looks like you on TV. The chances of you making it are very slim to none. You should be realistic. Then I, you know, finally I get a shot in my hometown radio station to do high school news and sports volunteering wise. And that, that door that opened for me, I was like, if these guys gave me a shot, maybe somebody else will down the road. So I went for it. And when I went to broadcast school, some of my teachers were saying, you know, if you got an on-air shot, it might be news, but you should really, you're really, you know, good grades, smart, you could be a great producer, but no one was encouraging me to try to actually go on air and be the a face and a voice in the hockey broadcast world. And I think that's why I'm probably more grateful. And I, I constantly talk about the dream coming true more than the average guy because it was so, it was such a story of defying the odds. And, um, you know, I, I, I've learned about the history of when my great grandfather came out over a hundred years ago and how, how the climate of Canada was back then in terms of racism, even just blunt racism from the federal government wanting to make it a white Canada. And uh, I, and I reflect on my parents' journey in the sixties coming to Southern Alberta then and what they went through through. And when you put that all together, that's why it makes what we're doing today. um, It is hard to believe that we're at this point that, you know, we can have this and, We've made this much progress, and so it's beautiful in that sense when you reflect on it. It is, and and I felt like, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, I felt like that that was a theme for the book, yeah. is that you were trying to let other people know, like, you can do this. Like, you can, you yeah. can carve your own way, and here's the proof. I'm the proof of yeah. considering what my family had been through and where I am now, like there are things that you can do if you really want to do them. Yeah, I, I agree with you full heartedly that um, that that is my message. It's a positive story of diversity uh, through the lens of a hockey broadcaster. But it, it also shows that you don't have to sacrifice your faith, your heritage, your culture, who you are as a person inside. You don't have to sacrifice that to be a good Canadian or American or participate in sports. Um, you can you can marry those two together and and be proud of who you are in in both facets and and I and my story does prove that and I like to give that message to other people out there that if you know a person like me can make it in this type of an industry you you can put your heart to it work honestly work hard treat others with respect and that path can open for you as well and and so it is it is really that you know it, it is a hockey book but it is. Um, it, it does prove that, you know, it can work. We can be different, but we can celebrate our differences. We can live together harmoniously. It, you know, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, full of hatred and things like that. We can, we can respect, we can even have fun, even despite our, you know, being from different backgrounds and sports can bring us together. So there's a, there's a lot of that in the book for sure. Benino, 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 <laughs> Benino. I, 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 first learned of you through that that's amazing and i i wonder what did it mean to you for the people in pittsburgh to embrace you the way that they did yeah it's so special i don't think as a broadcaster you can become closer to any team's championship run than we were at that time uh the benino goal call that went viral in the hockey world and beyond um, a mistake in my notes that became a blessing in disguise. And, you know, all of a sudden we're in, st- in, in front of 400,000 people in downtown Pittsburgh celebrating right after the players are announced and the Stanley cup is introduced on stage. It's myself and my colleagues. And um, it, it was amazing because, you know, I didn't like, I hadn't been to Pittsburgh much before. And when you're 400,000 people in front of you, there wasn't really that much diversity. Like I didn't see other South Asians or Turban people or anything, but during those few days, did I experience any racism or anything? No. In fact, it was the opposite. It felt like a rock star. I felt like, um, I felt like it was the red carpet laid out for me, not only by the team, but the city and the amount of love we received. And you know what the most beautiful thing was, Lawrence, is that there was Benino, Benino, Benino signs everywhere in the parade, but there was also signs that said, we love hockey night Punjabi. And this was like, this was like Caucasian people, you know, that like, it was amazing. We're here. We are a niche show in Canada to a niche audience. Yet we had, 
we resonated so much and it wasn't like the show was translated or anything it was just the passion passion for hockey the passion for the sport through the goal call that happened in it and it brought us all together it really proved to me the power of sport um, and it really proved to me that we can make it work and and it's such a memorable moment and um, you know you guys in Chicago have had so many championships with the Cubs and and the Blackhawks over the years and and things like that and you know it, it's just I, I don't I don't think you can ever replicate what we experienced uh, during that time in 2016 with the the Penguin Stanley Cup run you also make a, a big point to put a spotlight on your family in the book. Yeah. And I like that. Like even in the epilogue where you, you want to write the story of your family too. How big a deal was it for you when you were sitting down and kind of mapping out how you wanted the book to play to make sure to tell their story as part of your story? It was very special and important for me to do that. Um, I can't tell my own story without having to mention the struggles and challenges and you know, uh, one person who read the book even mentioned to me, and I hadn't thought of it this way, but the bravery of my parents to be able to come here in the 60s, not have other people from their community around, um, but still be successful Canadians, work hard, but also somehow maintain their heritage in the midst of, you know, um, they were vegetarians and they couldn't even find like the lentils they're used to eating. And um, there's just so much, not only just obviously food and racism, but just everything that they went through to learn the culture here, to, to figure out how to be comfortable in their skin. And um, to, there were so many misconceptions just about India, even back in the day where I, I think uh, my parents realized that the only uh, perception of India that a lot of people in North America had were some of the images of poverty that they saw back in those days in the 60s and 70s and you know they had they had to answer questions about like do you guys have spoons there do you have chairs there and they were kind of caught off guard like why are people asking these types of questions and um, you know they they just went through so much um, but they still were able to maintain their language, their heritage, and be proud Canadians. And then they passed that on to me. And I'm so forever grateful for that. And But they were also open to having me um, celebrate myself as a North American in terms of sports, in terms of my interests and things. And, and you know, I that was, it was just so important for me because it also ties into my own childhood of the support they gave me when anytime... Uh, I realized, you know, Lawrence, when we've talked about systemic racism and everything that's gone on since the death of, uh, since the murder, killing of George Floyd, um, I've realized that everything I heard over my entire journey, my life, uh, that this wouldn't be possible or that, you know, you're different or all those moments of racism that it planted the seed of doubt in my mind. And that's that I, like even when I got these opportunities, that's why I finally realized now why I wasn't always confident. And it's because it's like, you get the mic, you get the opportunity. You're like, are, are you sure you can do this? Because so many people told you you weren't supposed to be here. And it's like, it, it messes with your psyche. And, that, and that's why I've probably struggled with issues of confidence, even while getting some of these opportunities, because it's like the impossible became uh, the possible the dream came true but here I am but all of that stuff over a lifetime but had it not been the support of my family um, I wouldn't have been able to have enough courage and uh, commitment enthusiasm to give this all a shot so it was really important for me to to include all of that in there how impressed were you at what the NHL was able to do this past season to get a Stanley Cup final and a champion yeah remarkable I you know um, I, I was very skeptical, skeptical of, uh, major league baseball because when it started off, it didn't think, I didn't think it was going to work. The hub city, the bubble, uh, idea really worked. I, if you are, if you're wanting to escape COVID, uh, the NHL hub cities, those two bubbles, Toronto and Edmonton, those were the places to be. I mean, the results kept coming out week after week. They didn't have one issue come out in terms of an illness or a positive test. And then the fact that they were able to pull it off with such few people in the arena. I, I was uh, one of the lucky ones who was a part of the coverage and in Edmonton for over a month. And 
I mean, everything is being done remotely, robotic cameras. There's like basically nobody around. Myself and the two commentators, sometimes it felt like the games were being played just for us because there's literally nobody there. And the fact that they were able to pull it off, I would say the quality of hockey was even better than before. The players were less distracted because you're not you're not with families, you're not going out, you're not traveling, like you're with your coach the entire time. Of course, you have to stay focused. Um, I thought the quality of hockey was great. And um, I'm proud that the NHL figured it out and the players figured it out. And they took the pause when the NBA players did and, you know, better late than never. And um, that they that they took the stand that they did. And um, what gives me hope that the NHL, the players in the league are are taking, continuing to take a stand on diversity and against racism, despite the fact that you're going to alienate and lose some followers who don't want to talk about this or hear this, but they're still doing it for the right reasons. And so that gives me a glimmer of hope. It was, uh, it was really unreal experience to be a part of that, to be there when all of that was happening, when the players took a stance and did that all together. And then to talk about that on national TV and be a part of that conversation. That's something I'll never forget as well. Well, I thank you so much for being available. Um, I, I love the book. I love the story, man. I really do. And I think that I think it can be so helpful to to anyone that what you're describing, imposter syndrome, like anyone who 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 deals with that. I feel like there's there's so much in here and in in our conversation where there's opportunity to rise above any of that doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want to thank you, Lawrence, uh, for so many years. I was always intrigued. I was like, wow, this this gentleman from Chicago, he's got a big following out there. And you've always been supportive, like you're retweeting and sharing some of our stuff for the past several years. And I always thought that was so cool. And it was, you know, it's unique for us um, to get that sort of support uh, from the United States because we're a show based in Canada. And then also just there's a lack of knowledge in the States, I would say, about you know, the sick community. Um, and there's misconceptions. We talk about that at the beginning, but that's why it was special for me to always have that support. And then when you reached out now for this uh, interview, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you taking out the time to read the book. Everybody has super busy lives nowadays. And, uh, you know, we're in such a weird, unique time, but you took out the the time out of your life to read the book. I really appreciate that and, and the time uh, on this interview. Well, thank you so much. And, and it was easy for me because I, I'm a person, I believe in the, the, the idea of lift as you climb. And I'm here to help anyone that can benefit from my help. But when I see people of color, people who are others, if I can help to amplify their voices, I mean, th- that's what I'm supposed to do with that popularity, right? Like I'm supposed to help amplify. And I also just think that what what's really wonderful about what you guys do is if people just tried it, like if they yeah. just if they just watch two minutes of what you all are doing, they'll go, oh, I get it. Like, even though I don't understand it, I get it and I want to be a part of it. And that's that's what I think is uh, been so impressive about what you guys have carved out. And I, I think it should be a template for for other communities on how to do that inside of the world of sports. And it's it's cool, man. And I, I wish you a, a, a tremendous continued success and a lot of peace. And I appreciate your book wholeheartedly. I really do. It came at a great time. Yeah, that's something, too, that we didn't even anticipate. I mean, books are a long process. Uh, you know, it was two, three years ago we began this, and the subject matter is even more timely, right, than than we first even originally had thought of. And, uh, yeah, beautifully said, uh, Lawrence, thank you. And, I, you know, I've called a couple of those Blackhawks championship games, a lot of playoff Blackhawks uh, battles, uh, especially with the Vancouver Canucks. That rivalry was pretty strong for a while there. Um, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, great guy. He's uh, he's come up. I was in L.A. for the NHL's 100-year uh, celebration, and Jonathan Taves came up to me on his own, um, and we chatted. And then during the – when the Blackhawks beat the Oilers, I had a chance to chat with him. Kind of there's a banter back and forth before the interviews and things. Such a – admirable individual stand-up guy and 
great ambassador for the Hawks and the sport. And um, yeah, it's great. Hopefully, hopefully our paths cross soon and I get to come out there to call a, a game at some point here soon when, the, when all of this is over, this COVID stuff. I very much like to travel, see you, see Ron Deep, see all, yeah. the, all the peeps. Like I really would. I very much would like to do that, man. Thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, stay peaceful and stay, stay the way that you are, man, because you have a vibe about you that is just awesome. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You stay blessed as well. That's my man, Hunter Ryan Singh. Go get his book, One Game at a Time, My Journey from Small Town, Alberta, to Hockey's Biggest Stage. It's great. He's terrific. And I I feel like I've... I feel like... I, I say this a lot about Michael Kim. Michael Kim is one of the most important people that have come along in my career. And part of the reason that he is is because the world that he opened up to me. This is a guy that's done it on the biggest stage. He was an ESPN anchor for forever. When we got the opportunity to work together, being able to pick his brain about all sorts of stuff, to have his global view of the world of sports, because Michael travels, he's... He's definitely more worldly than I am. And learning how to see things from a much different perspective when it comes to culture. As an American, as a black American, often the lens with which I view the world in is through the prism of black and white. It's very binary. And Michael opened up me being able to see the world in color, pun intended, especially seeing what happens in our industry to brown people, (laughs) brown people, Asian people, getting more perspective on some of the inequities that happen when we are talking about people of Indian or Pakistani background. Shout out to Adam Amin who helped open my world up on that too. I highly recommend you go listen to both of the episodes, the one with Adam Amin and the one with Michael Kim. But Michael being able to open up my world to exploring, learning about Hockey Night Punjabi, for example, or the KBO. Like, I was on to the KBO before it was fashionable to be on to the KBO because of Kimmer. So I thank him because without him, I don't know if I would have come into contact with Hunter Ryan Singh or with Ron Deep Janda, who are two guys that I really like and respect. And I've even done Deep Show in Canada, and I like the idea of me doing like sports radio in Canada, usually talking about the Blackhawks, but occasionally they want to talk to me about the Bears, which I also think is funny. But I mean, you heard like what type of dude Hunter Ryan is. Like he's 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 smart, sharp, loves hockey. Like the, his love for hockey comes through. And I'm I'm really happy that he was available to to be here on the podcast. It's a good man. And I I wish him a lot of success. And it's it's when you hear people be like, you know, stay blessed, a lot of times you feel like they're full of shit. I don't feel that way. I feel like he he truly means my friends stay blessed. And that's I wouldn't necessarily call myself a religious person. I try to be as moral as possible, and I do have background in religion. But you can you can tell when people are faking the funk with their faith sometimes. And I've been lucky to be around people that I don't think are like that, and Hunter Ryan Singh is one of those people. And I just really, truly appreciate him. I really do. By the way, we are brought to you by 
Mazda of Orland Park. ZoomZoomNation.com. I love ZoomZoomNation. Love the folks out there in Orland Park. If you're looking for a car, if you're in the market for a car, give them an opportunity to sell you a car. And if you're dealing with all the housing stuff and you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make all this work. I got to I gotta refinance my joint. You need to hit up David Hochberg, Homeside Financial, 855-56-DAVID. That's the number. Call him, please. Tell him that you heard about him because he doesn't believe that people heard about, like people are calling him. But I need for you to tell him that you heard about him on this particular podcast. Like That's how it works. We want to make sure that we take care of the people that support us. And I'm trying to make sure that most of the advertising that happens on this show are people that I'm actually connected with, like David Hochberg, who helped me out with my housing. So he can help you. He's also pretty good on the financial literacy front. I had a fun time playing in a charity poker event and doing it virtually. I was I was a little skeptical about it, but then I I dove into it. And the reason that I dove into it is because Marley Caden is the one that invited me to play. And if you you should definitely go back and listen to the interview that I did with Marley. And I, I got to set something up with Marley so we can do our financial literacy episode of the podcast that we have been talking. If you go back and listen, you'll hear exactly what it is that I'm talking about. But it was it was great. Like I had a lot more fun than I thought I was going to have. So it was Irv's winter warm up and it benefited the chess foundation, chest foundation. And they help out people who are struggling with breathing and it was very cool like it was a good cause and it was a lot of fun they do this all the time but obviously they had to make things super virtual this year but i i had a great time like i sat here on a thursday night and i was watching the the thursday night football game and i was playing in in irv feldman's texas hold'em annual tournament and casino night raised a lot of money And I dug it like I actually didn't think I would like playing virtual poker. And there's an element of it that I don't quite like because it's hard to play the table, like play the person. You're just playing their bets. I won a few hands. I think there were a little over 100 people and I came in 45th. So for me, I take that as a win. I love playing poker. I'm so happy that Marley got me involved in this. And uh, she's she's dope, man. She's really dope. I didn't even ask her where she finished because she's, you know, we call her the Black Wid- Widow for a reason. Like she's out here taking people down on tables all the time. But I wanted to thank her for even thinking of me. And I wanted to thank the Chest Foundation as well. They're champions for lung health, and especially right now, their their work is needed more than ever. So thanks for a really cool night. I think I got knocked out by a listener. I think, because I'm pretty sure they showed up in the in the Twitch stream, <laughs> which is, you know, crazy on its own face. But I appreciate that listener listening. And thanks to, I can't say much because I don't want to get in trouble, but I will tell you, that our show has been doing really well, numbers-wise. Better than I think we even expected because people aren't back to their regular routines. But we're doing well. Show's doing well. We're getting a younger audience of people who are listening, which I think is even doper. And it's, it's great. Herbie's done a great job of producing it, and I'm having a fun time as we explore some things. We're going to keep exploring here. Shout out to my nephew, Justin. He actually created this beat, but he's also doing some of the editing now on the interviews. I'm taking some of that stuff off my plate and I'm paying him. So it's good. So he's making sure that these sound a little cleaner. He's a better editor than I am. And he's it's worked out. 
So he'll keep doing it. I got some crazy episodes coming up that I think you're going to enjoy with some great guests. And I hope you enjoyed this one. Go get Hunter Ryan Singh's book. One game at a time, my journey from small town Alberta to hockey's biggest stage. It's fantastic. You'll enjoy it. Talk to you next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.